What's going on, everybody? What's going on? Welcome to another episode of Being Frank. Now, it is Sunday. We're doing something different today. It's not Sunday with Stones, but um, we're going to just have a Sunday with Greg and Takara. You know, Brian got some homework he need to take care of and all that good stuff. But how's everybody doing on this lovely Sunday? I haven't recorded in the past couple of weeks. Appreciate everybody out there that still listen to our episodes. Grateful. I mean, it's crazy. The numbers are still going up. I'm maybe doing one show a week and um, the numbers are going up. We're averaging like 26 downloads a day, which is crazy. But hey, it's you guys that's making it happen. So I'm blessed and grateful for that. And, um, you know, it's wonderful, you know, hitting the fall time right now. And um, seasons are starting to change, I guess. I don't mean, I guess everybody else's seasons are starting to change, but not my shit out here. It's so hot. But, um, Hope everybody's doing good, you know. Um, continue listening to the Ben Frank Now show. If anybody have anything to say, make sure you send us an email at benfranknow911 at gmail.com. That's benfranknow911 at gmail.com. Also, you can hit us up on the gram, uh, ben underscore frank. That's ben underscore frank now. I'm sorry about that. A 911 at Instagram. But let me go ahead and bring in Mr. Greg McMullen and Mr. Carl Williams. See, can they hear me? Can y'all hear me? Yes, sir. Oh, yeah. What's going on, Greg? Man, my voice sounds like I'm selling um, drowsy, but I'm not. trying to. I don't know what's going on. How's everything going with you, man? Man, I don't know. You better stop being a party animal. Maybe you sound normal. Man, no. Man. <laughs> I, went to, I went to Sam's this morning. I love the store, Sam's. I'm a pretty, I get all focused when I'm in there and stuff and looking for shit. And I can never get past the front entrance without buying something stupid. So I'm always buying. You know how the kids are, but I'm always buying something stupid, man. Mm-hmm. Oh, man, it's a good day. How's everything going out there? Where you at, bro? Man, everything good here in the cornfield, man. Just staying focused, taking care of my kids and doing what daddy got to do. But um, I know I took a few weeks off to try to get everything situated with my, you know, new job and so forth. But I'm yes. back. Yes, sir. Back to having just a good conversation, a bunch of random stuff, and uh, <laughs> have fun with my girl, T. There you go. Hey, you know what, though, Greg? I told you. I mean, I didn't say it, but we're going to promote Greg's show. We're going to be rambling with G, rambling with Greg. And we're going to try and get this show on um, – as much as we can, you know, if maybe once a week or once every other week, but we're going to do it. We're going to do it where Greg would discuss topics and events throughout the week or throughout the month, just wherever he want to ramble about and just give his expert opinion on, you know, like I said, there's a platform on the Baron Frank Now show where you go ahead and discuss what you want to say. We will not hold you to it. It's your platform. Just let it all roll, man. So, hey, man, we ready. <laughs> Can't wait to get you on that because I know you and Brian, y'all opposite on your views and shit, so. That's gonna be good to hear you um, to hear the rambling with G show, man. No question, no, thank you, sir. No doubt. And Mr. Carl Williams, are you there, young lady? I am here. Oh man, can you hear me? I can hear you. All right. All of a sudden now, you must dis up to your mic, but we can't hear you hardly that good now. So if you got your little old uh, Fisher Price mic hooked up, go ahead and unplug that some bitch so we can hear you better. <laughs> It's that it's that T-Mobile service. Yeah, we we were hearing it earlier. Now we can't hear that good. No. No. You gotta turn it up. What happened? You just messed with something. Whatever you mess with, don't mess with it. You, it was fine earlier. Okay. Well, I don't know what I did. 
You're not. You don't sound loud enough. You sound like in the background, like muffled. Okay. What about now? Yeah, but look, something. But you know, a little better. Yeah, that's a little bit better. Just a little though. Yeah, just a little. I don't know. You need. You need. You need some headphones. <laughs> uh, when we go off here, I'll send you my address. That's it. Ooh, <laughs> you balling? What the hell? <laughs> oh man! You taking you taking seven flights a week? Yeah. I know. Company paid. Company paid. Uh oh. Okay. Oh, well, you better talk to your company and tell them. Give you some headphones. They ain't got to be beat by Drake, but they need to be something. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. But hey, Miss Woods, how you doing today? I'm doing well. That's good. That's good. Yeah, and uh, we haven't been on air since we did that education topic, which was a pretty good show. And um, Greg, you get to have a chance to listen to it. I know you said something about, yeah, you were surprised my damn baby mama was on there, but she did, you know, <laughs> she brought her um, knowledge to the game, and I give her credit for that. You know, that's something um I do respect over, you know, she knows what she's talking about when it comes to the education field, so I will never knock her on that. So I really do appreciate her getting on the air and um giving her input, her knowledge and um her dialogue. But um, do you ever have a chance to listen to that show? Greg? I think Greg ain't there. Miss Williams, can you hear me? I can hear you. Yeah, Greg got stuck. Uh, yeah. Oh, Greg got stuck. No, I couldn't hear you anymore. But no, I did hear uh majority of the show and some of the stuff that was said uh kinda caught me off guard. But a lot of it, like I had said, uh I forgot the one uh black woman's name that was speaking and then the other gentleman from Terra Holt still. Oh, Jason, he, uh, yes. Jason said Jason, yeah. Shout out they to had Jason. a lot of they had a lot of good stuff to say as well as your uh kid's mother. She had a lot of good stuff to say too. I was just um Yeah, just give her a name. I'm tired of calling her. Yeah, Kelly had a good shit to say. Yeah, I'm tired of saying baby yeah. kid mother. So. <laughs> yeah, Sorry, so yeah, saying. Kelly had a lot of uh, good stuff to say as well. I thought it was a good episode. I was just uh one thing that kind of struck me was when I I'm not gonna quote who said it, I think it was the gentleman who said he was married, had Three oh. or four kids. Yeah, what's his name, Takara? You... Terry, right? Yep, Terry, Terry. Terry. It was Terry yep. Felicia. Yep, Terry, yep. And one thing that they were discussing at the time, because Brian posed this question, and one thing that he responded to was simply saying that educated is needed because of where we're headed at in terms – education was always needed and was a necessity because back when – you know, the olden days, I guess, when you're growing up, it gave you an opportunity to get more jobs yes. that were accessible to you and stuff to that nature. But I, I say if I had a rebuttal to that was simply back then, educated wasn't as necessary considering there were nothing but factory jobs that were paying extremely well. So people weren't as educated. People didn't want to be. Let me rephrase. People wanted to be educated, but when they looked at how much it cost, what jobs were available to them and 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 how often as being a minority they were going to get that job it was just better to say you know what well, i'm taking my ass down to the factory yep. and be a blue collar worker oh, and yeah. the people who ended up going to college and stuff were the people who were deemed gifted or or wanting to do something outside of the norm of their family which was very few you know and i feel like when you talk about education i feel like education shouldn't be forced upon anybody because it's a sad thing to see but you you teach that to brown and black kids that they have to go to get an education, which, yes, education is key. 
But at the same time, I can name at least four or five different billionaires right now that didn't go do the traditional schooling. So that's not always the case. And obviously those cases are very rare, but you should also focus on trades and other things that also can build somebody's livelihood to, you know, living comfortable, being successful and not having to get into $80,000 worth of debt that takes them, you know, 15, 20 years of their life to pay off. Wow. I do think they did focus on vocational and trades. They did talk about that often. No, they they, did. They 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 talked about how college education isn't for everybody. Uh Uh-huh, yep. You do need to learn a trade. You do need to go to vocational school. Because Felicia Felicia talked about that. Yeah, I was about to say the girl, like I said, I don't know I don't know their names and stuff, but no, you're absolutely correct. But the thing about in today's society, I feel like they got a lot of trade school they kind of done away with. And, and like even in high school, when like I'm not that old, but yeah, my sister, my older brother went to their school. They had a masonry class, they had an HVAC class, they had a technician, electrical technician class, they had all these different welding and everything. But by the time I got there, which was seven, eight years later, it was pretty much obsolete. It wasn't. It wasn't there. And then now, when my little brother went to school, who's six years younger than me, yeah, six years younger than me, he was like, they only have one or two vocational class versus fifteen years before it was like twelve or fourteen of them. Mm. What you have to think about though is that those careers have changed. The vocations have changed. So now the voc- like you can used to be able to go get some training in high school and at least be able to go out into the world and have a job. But more and more vocations are requiring accreditations. Yeah. Which require you to go to JUCO or community college or a program. Okay, but yeah, did, did Donald Trump just did something with government jobs just recently? He signed an executive order that will basically lower the um, education side of things for people to be qualified for. There was something. Gosh, I need to look it up. There was something he, he, um, he um, put in place that He's basically saying if you got experience, he's he's acknowledging experience more than education. So, I'm some. not sure. The only thing I followed on him is that he's taking diversity training out of contractor jobs. I'm going to look that up then. Okay. Um, yeah. Yeah. I'm looking that up. But Greg, though, Amelia's on right now too. She agree with you on that whole um, need to focus on trade over what you just said. Oh yeah, certainly. Hey, Amelia, how are you? Good. How are you? I'm good. I, I was waiting. Uh, me and Frank talked a couple of weeks ago about possibly doing a follow up episode and stuff like that. And I just know that y'all got a lot going on and so forth. So it's always good to hear you. She's in there. Eating, she's in there eating a deli bar. She's hey, You tell him, Greg. I can eat whatever I want right now. Right. If she eat whatever she wants five, six, seven, eight times a day. You better rub her feet. Shit. <laughs> 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 no, but um. But yeah, I will. I mean, I had a guy that I worked with at FedEx, and he was talking about education and stuff. And he went and took the military route. But the one thing that he always talked about was, at least in this country, he said they force you to believe that that's what you need to do when that's not true, you know. And just until recently, you start to see a little bit more commercials advertising, you know, the different things that you could potentially do outside of just going to your normal four-year university, getting a degree. But I feel like at the end of the day, you know, let's say the old times versus now, I mean, it's almost it's almost laughed upon if you say you go to a junior college 
I mean, I know people yes. like when I went to when I went to the university, people I knew went to a junior college was almost embarrassed to say, I'm like, what you embarrassed for? Like you doing what you got to do to make your life better. And that's the route that you took because of whatever. Then that's what you do. I mean, it's even TV show like the commercials that say, come to our junior college. We can transfer up to 60 credits over to a real university. I'm like, wait a minute. What? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I mean it's, like, it's like, wait a minute. What? Like. Like in like the remedial college, like it's like it's not cool. Like like it's almost like they want you to not feel bad. Like like even when it what was that ITT Tech or something. Like people people like like would go and would not say nothing about it. Just it's like oh yes. my son my son go to school. Where are they? They at the school. <laughs> <laughs> It's like, wait a minute. We have to be embarrassed about. Oh, they learned an HVAC kit. Like, it makes good money. So what's the problem? But, but in the media, they force you to believe that if you don't go to a four-year degree school or four-year accredited university and spend that hundreds of thousands of dollars that your 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 experience and your degree or your whatever ain't worth the shit. But to me, I don't advocate for people going to school. Even my own kids. I'm going to follow the norm as long as I can, but I'm going to figure out what their strength and weakness is because I'm not going to pay, you know, 50, 60, 70,000 for my kid to go to school and they turn out they want to, you know, be a general manager at some other, like, Wait, but check it out, But Greg, check it out though. And that's funny, but you brought that up though. Um, we all went to college. We all have some type of degree. The first year of college, you're really not touching your degree. You're doing all that. Ain't touching nothing. Yeah, you're doing all that bullshit. What? Not the core. The core class is the core. Yeah, the core classes you're doing. You're doing all the 100 level classes and all that shit. You're not touching intro to college. I remember I took that class. Intro to college, three credit hours. It was some bullshit. Colleges are figuring a way to make money. You know what I'm saying? So you need to just go ahead and go to a two year college. Get that out of the way. The, the intro to college and and all them one all them um, 100 level classes out the way. Then get your little associate degree. Then maybe go off to a four year degree and finish the back end of your two year there. But, but, well, I, think, oh, go ahead. oh, sorry, man. I think, too, I think it's crazy that we push kids to go to a four year college and then they get there and they're like, oh, I have no idea what I want to do. Like, I thought this was the route I was going to take. And then they're like, oh, I have no idea. So then they're, they end up spending even more money or they end up at a college that doesn't fit their needs. So then they have to go to a different school and pay even more money. I mean, I work with tons of youth right now that are like, well, I guess if I don't get into the U of A, I'll go to the community college. And I'm like, you know what? There's nothing wrong with that. Go to the community college, pay as little money as you possibly can until you figure out what you want to do. Because in my opinion, and things may have changed, but high schools need to do a better job of helping youth career explore because they have literally no clue what is out there for them to like step into the world it's just like well you got all these all these credits that you have to take and you have to be done and then it's mm, i mean i can i can tell you that a majority of the youth that i work with get out of high school and they go i have no idea what i want to do and it's like <laughs> man, man like at 18 years old we're telling you go to college figure it out but literally nobody has built you up nobody like, even just like volunteer work i mean like i know when i went to high school and I don't know if these programs are still there or not like somebody would have to let me know but I mean you had the opportunity to get work get school credits for working and I remember handfuls of kids leaving after lunch every day to go to their work study Uh awesome for them to decide 
what they wanted to do. And if, and, and while still having that support, you go to college and you might get an advisor that's consistent with you. That's like, well, I guess you could do this or you could do that. But in reality, nobody knows. Like I remember I, I've, I've said this on a episode before when I went to college, the community college I went to, I literally picked it because a girl who graduated ahead of me went to that school. I had an aunt who lived in that town and she liked her degree. So I was like, nah, I guess I'll be a physical therapist assistant. Mm-hmm. I got there and I was like, I hate this. And then I was like, oh, I have no idea what I want to do. And I literally learned what I wanted to do for a career through trying things out and jobs. And let's be real. Like, the kids who are going to community college and doing my business degree okay. are I'm Amelia, you're cutting in and out. I know. Um, are making way more than people with four-year degrees. Okay. And technical difficulties on her part, I guess. I'm right here. Nope. Oh, you're right here. Can you cut in and out? Well, y'all echoing now. Hey. <laughs> hey, y'all need to cut that out over this in the Smith neighborhood, man. Y'all doing too much. Yeah, her phone is picking up on your headset and it's echoey. And why don't y'all just share y'all in the same house? Yeah, no. Go ahead and get the microphone. We should talk. Yeah, later. Frank, y'all, you self being selfish. Your wife right there, man. Go <laughs> but go ahead, Takar. You want to hit on that subject though? I think there's different parts of it. I do think that unfortunately it's about the high schools that we go to. Okay. Um, Depending on what areas you've grown up in or you're raised in. Like, so for you, Greg, you were talking about how, like, the vocational programs have basically dissipated in the last 14 years, you know, from yeah. your older brother to you to your younger brother. Part of that's because standardized testing became such a huge part of, um, of funding for schools. So things had to leave. And one of the things that left were those vocational training programs. I went to a high school that was wealthy er and so like we had um a, a health sciences campus we had journalism we had we had all these different things that we could explore and do um we also had the work study program i think it also it the other thing so focus on that um i think that schools need to revert back to some of that but the other thing is, is i think that we need to push more of our kids um, kids of color or kids of lower socioeconomic means into advanced placement classes. Like instead of just being comfortable and saying I got a 4.0 because I was in a regular class, but giving them those college credits for $110 for AP test um, before they get out of school. I'll admit it was a it was a benefit and a hindrance to me. I came out of high school with a semester and a half of credits. Wow. The hindrance of that was, even today, if you look at my career path, it has a ministry career path. I've had tons of different careers, and that's been great. But if if you have that pressure of your family on you of you need to choose one thing to do, then you need to do it. Like my parents, bless their hearts, they're like, we know you will always make money and you'll always have a retirement account, but can you just pick something and stick to it? And I'm like, nah. Because I have all these interests, right? And so 
I think part of it is that we have to get away from if you get a degree in business or you get a degree in this, you've got to stay in this. That time period is is over and done for. Like, fall, like I will tell anyone. People are like, well, why did you leave and why did you go uh, to this position? It paid me 40000 more a year. Why not? They came after me. It's something I seem to be interested in. I think we have to teach our kids that that's okay. Like, you don't have to be loyal to this job because best believe if you die, you're going to be replaced in a week. Hey, so, <laughs> you know what I mean? And so it's just, it's one of those things. We have to get back to cultivating interests instead of pushing a test. Yeah, but see, but that's the one thing, like, when I read the episode, when I listened to the episode a few weeks ago about education, everybody on there had, at a minimum, a bachelor's degree, if not more, to a master's working on a doctorate. And I was just thinking to myself, like, as me, as, as putting a couple of letters be, behind your name, in front of it, in the middle, wherever you want to decide to put them, it still doesn't mean you fully understand. Like, for instance, you got people... Like you, like you just said, T, they're pushing all this money towards these standardized tests, but what does that actually show? A standardized test don't show somebody's unique skill set. Like You're somebody right. may, you know, so I get pissed off when I hear people in education talk about these tests and they, they, they advocate for it so much, but yeah, you're telling me y'all would rather take out a class to teach them actual skills for a test that where somebody could just have testing anxiety. Or, or kids who may not have had a well-balanced breakfast or maybe not ate in the last few days. I mean, that's how they focus. Like, for instance, I did pretty damn well on my uh, Ohio OJT, uh, OGT, the Ohio graduation test. It was all standardized tests, and I performed and accelerated. They were like, oh, my gosh, Greg is so smart. And so I thought I said, no, this shit was easy. Like, I'm not trying to be an asshole, but I was like, Really? I could do four plus four is eight? Like, I ain't doing, like, if you really look at some of these tests, it ain't like they're asking, like, crazy things. So I'm like, the kids who aren't getting it ain't because I think they're not smart. It's just a matter of, it's stuff that I don't think their mind is set on because they have all these other things to focus on. And yet, they use that as the focal point on why they're taking the money away from things that are actually important. So you have to remember that the, that you will not hear teachers nor administrators say no, that we should be teaching the test. You are going to hear higher ups say that. Yeah. So there has to be, unfortunately, the way that funding for uh, education is given is by some type of benchmark, right? And the, the only thing they can come up with <laughs> is to benchmark us is by testing because that's worked so well, right? Um. But that is how people will get their money. Teachers and administrators hate the fact that they cannot go off course. You've got some of these schools where the curriculums are so set that the teacher can't teach other than what is set in that district. And so you have a lot of people who are who have pushed back or who have left public schools to go to private schools or charter schools for that very reason. Um, what? Go ahead. I'm about to say charter schools... They have a lot more leeway with private schools. I think it's maybe sometimes worse than the public. Only thing, only reason I say that is because private schools teach their own agenda. They don't have to report to anybody, at least for face value in terms of certain funding. Like, I went to Archbishop Hoban High School. They had an endowment fund 
man, it costs ten grand to go there a year. They got money, you know. I had when the when the Chevy Camaro first came out with their new sports car, we had four of them at our school fresh off the lot. It was crazy. I was like, mm-hmm. we hear about this kind of car, but we, you know, but they had money in the curriculum that they taught, and that's how I became part of the NCBIA, which is the National Coalition Building Institute of Diversity, because. I was one of those black kids who was educated enough to see the prejudice and the bigotry that was going on. So when stuff happened at my school, like for instance, we read a whole bunch of the classic books, Huckleberry Finn, uh, uh, what was the other one? A the Holy Caulfield, The Great Gatsby. Yeah, Grapes and I, we read all these books and I'm in class and, they, and we got little white kids saying the N-word, he getting mauled by, I'm just like, okay, stop, this is offensive, like hold on, like, can we get back? But they got that freedom to do it there because it's a private school. Now, in my public schools, we never read those books. We read, we barely had books. Oh, we, we did. Library, yeah, like the public school I went to, I went to a lot of them. But from K through A, we didn't have the books. We didn't have the funding. And I always joked with one of my principals. I said, y'all make over six figures. The teachers probably make about 40. Why y'all make so much if y'all don't do nothing? <laughs> and, you know, he was a cool dude. I always had a good rapport. They liked me. And my cousin was the police officer, the human resource officer. But nonetheless, he was still an acting police officer. And I even asked him, I said, y'all get all this money. They pay you all this money to patrol the hallways and make it safe. But making it safe ain't helping these kids learn. And I said, they putting all this money. Like, I finally found out how much he made. He made $128,000 as a principal. That's a lot of money because Akron, I, I, I think I told Frank this, I Googled how much my house cost that I grew up in. It was $28,000. <laughs> That's a poor neighborhood. I thought it was a good neighborhood. $28,000 to buy a home, and he makes $129,000. So you could tell that's a lot of money in Akron. That's a whole lot. And I just feel like these schools, kind of like the police force, they, 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 they get these people to come work who have nothing to do with the community and they take their tax money back to their neighborhood. Like, if they live in Copley, they're paying taxes in Copley. So the, all the right. money they get in is going to Copley. Copley, nice. Copley right. Township is real nice. And I think that's kind of what they pointed out on the last episode was, you know, they talked about, like, do your kids, if you're, if you're coming, let's say, Copley and Akron, if you're a teacher from Copley and you're coming in to teach in Akron, are you bringing your kids to Akron schools? Nope. If not, then you know there's a problem in the school system, so what are we going to do to fix it? Um, I also think that education lies, I think sometimes we put way too much pressure on teachers and principals um, in the education realm of, like, the backstory, right? Of, like, these kids don't have clean clothes, they can't, they don't, they come to school hungry, we do, like, teachers are only capable of doing so much. And I think that's where you need the community initiatives in the schools to be able to touch home. Because mm-hmm. if home is not, isn't right, then most kids are not going to excel. You will have those few kids who will by any means necessary excel, but on the, for the most part, eh, you know what I mean? I know, yeah. So, so uh, here's one question for you, T. So when I grew up, I had teachers that I felt like actually genuinely cared. I'm talking about public school. I feel like they actually genuinely cared about me as a person because they understood what it was like to grow up in Akron because they were from Akron. Mm -hmm. So would you, 
if they have some kind of initiative to where when you work at certain school districts, you have to live within that district. I mean, some places you work, some places you work, you have to live in that district. Like, for instance, if you wanted to, like, out here in Nebraska, I could, I'm pretty sure I saw this, it was Creek. In order for you to be a, a Creek police officer, you have to live in Creek. You can't live, you can't live outside in some other domain. You have to live where you work. So my thing is, if you had teachers actually work in these poor neighborhoods because they lived in that poor neighborhood, do you think it'd be better for the students because then it'd be that relatability? You know, because we see stuff like 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 we like as a student, if I see this teacher dressed super nice, super nice car, I'm not thinking, oh, they got it because they live in Akron. I'm thinking they must live in Fairline or something. Like, you know, I'm thinking they live in a different township. So my thing is like, do you think if a person were to be a teacher or a police officer, they have to live in that community in which they're educating the, the, the individuals or policing those individuals? But hey, Greg, can I interrupt really quick? Of course. Uh, okay, so I like the teacher episode. I wish I would have been able to sit and listen to it, but I got bits and pieces as I was running around. And one of the things that I heard him say, and I can't remember who was talking, so you might have to remind me. But um, one of the things was is that if the youth in that in those lower income neighborhoods are getting educated, are they staying there? No, they're moving no. out. So how do you get, and then the other, like the other, this other spin to that, that I heard was, um, was how are we going to raise children up that are living and going to school in low income neighborhoods to understand that they can be teachers and principals and do those things, but stay in their neighborhoods to like, stop, stop the, the cycle basically. Does that make sense? Like, yeah, that makes perfect sense. I mean, you know, we I heard people talk about, you know, like, these are the kids that don't have books at home and all these things. And I can, I mean, it's funny that you bring up Creek because it's very close to where I grew up. Um, but, I mean, I know, you know, my sister-in-law is a teacher there and she is, like, advocating for people to donate books. You know, because she's like, I know a majority of my kids don't have books at home. So, I just it's hard for me to like wrap my head around because I get the standardized testing and the funding piece of it. I understand that 100%. But where do we get to the point where we put our focus on what do these kids need so that they can rise up, stay in these neighborhoods and stop this terrible cycle that's going on? Well, yeah, well, the answer part of that money is a big thing. You know, like I said, my, 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 my uh, principal, he was born and raised in Akron and he worked his way up. But he had a goal in mind, which he knew what he could make. You know, some of these teachers, like you said, like if you educate somebody from my particular neighborhood, are they going to stay? Probably not. But the, the reason why they're not staying is because there's no incentive to stay. Like, you tell a kid, hey, go off to college and, and get a degree. And once you get a degree, you can make all this money. But in reality, that's not true. You still start off struggling like the rest of us. The only difference is you got a degree in, in probably seventy, eighty thousand dollars $80,000 in debt. You know, but the good thing is, is some people can see the bigger picture, you know, and that's what I mean by the vocation. So you take a place like Akron, which needed the vocation, which once upon a time was a rubber capital of the world. They got some of the largest rubber plants known to Firestone, Bridgestone, Goodyear. They got all the, it was the rubber capital, you know, but when you start to tell people they need to focus on, you know, education, you start offshoring the rubber industry, you, you take away the railroad system and everything else, you, that's how you get the ghettos that are formed. That's how you get 
you know, the bad neighborhoods, for instance. But in terms of just the educational value, you you, you see a kid, and like I had Miss England, she was from Akron. She was a white woman. She was super smart, well off. But the thing is, she stayed put because she knew the importance of making her community better. She knew the importance of, I know somebody got to be here and protect and defend what these brown and black kids are going through mm -hmm. because she grew up there, you know. But you go to these other neighborhoods, that's what they're, they're telling brown and black people. That's where you need to strive to. You need to, you need to be more like the people in, in, in the suburbs. So, so like, like you said, Amelia, like, it won't happen because they're teaching us that we need to be more like them and to get out of where we're at as if where we're at is mm -hmm. actually bad. And it's yeah. not. Like, if you actually, and that's the thing about it, when people say, like, if black people come together and, and put their business minds together and buy pieces of land and build their own, they're not teaching us that in school. They're teaching us to get our money and spend it. <laughs> get our money and get the get the bling bling, get the big cars and and whatever. And people can say that's you know rappers this time and third, but guess who funding the rappers? White people. Yeah. You get you get, like I, I just listened to something. They said that um, uh, Future and Drake's video "Life Is Good," which isn't a bad song, got over a billion views. A billion plus people then viewed that damn video. And guess what's in the video? Him smoking, drinking, kicking it, big old fur mink coat, look like it's expensive. So who you really think a billion plus black people watch that? Hell no. Nah. So my point is the what they don't want for themselves, they're telling us to do, and what we think we ought to do is what they want us to do, which is fail by okay, we're gonna get the couple smart ones, we're gonna move them over here. Even though it's not better, but they think it's better, and we will continue to watch their neighborhoods go to shit. Mm -hmm. You know, and that's what's shitty about this whole deal is like, and whether it's the educational one we talked about, whether it's the uh, about marriage, about Black Lives Matter, about all of this, it's like we're no more than just puppets trying to figure out where where our place at, what what string is we okay with them pulling, you know? Because in in reality, do they teach what should be taught in in, in grade schools like? Hmm, let's say economics, financial stability, budgeting, uh, uh, advisory type. No, I've never, I had one economics class in 12 years of me learning from K through 12. And that was my last year. And it was a three-week course with Mr. Zick. <laughs> like, no, they don't want to educate people in public schools about economics. They don't even, they barely teach that stuff. They teach the simple, like, like a 4.0 in my public school was like a 1.8. In my private school, so you can walk around talking about, oh, I went to public school, I got a 4.0, I got this and the third. But yeah, when I went my freshman year to my private school, I was so far behind. It, but it was like, okay, my public school, I was way ahead. But in my private school, I was way behind. So it was like, wait a minute. So am I smart or am I dumb? Like I didn't know which one to think. I was like, okay, I'm a 4.0 student in public school. But when I got to my private school freshman year, I felt stupid as hell because the stuff they already taught them, they taught in sixth and seventh grade. So it's like, how can a curriculum be that more advanced when something like standardized tests should prove what we need? You know what I mean? Like if we take a standardized test, 
and it says reading, writing, social studies, English, whatever, if they're poor scores, are y'all just lessening the curriculum then? Or y'all keeping the same? Like, is the standard being the same? Or it's like to hell with the public school. We just want to show why they ain't shit. So I just, I can ramble on, but I just, I just don't know how standardized tests, the funding they're going to need to help build these schools up is actually legitimate because I think in our actuality, they're okay with it being piss poor. That's what I truly think. I think they're okay with the schools being piss poor. And as for like small town, I think the woman spoke on it last week. Small towns sometimes lack funding simply because it's a smaller area. It's a smaller area. There's less people. There's less taxes being paid. And it's harder for them to allocate the resources they need because there's not a lot of funding that may go to them as if like if you're in a bigger town or city or something. And and I have no idea what the answer is to this, Greg, but then there's like the like social work piece of me that comes out. And I get I get the standardized standardized testing. I get the funding piece of it. I get that that's how they determine. I get all that. But it's like, at what point do we take like three steps back and really look at like what we need to do? Because like you guys were saying before, if your belly is hungry, you're not going to do well on that test. It doesn't matter how smart you are. It doesn't matter how well you can do on that test. Here's the thing. I grew up in a home full of books and full of learning opportunities and all of those kinds of things. And my parents didn't go to college, but they pushed us all to go to college and all five of us graduated from college, you know, and here's the thing though is that I was a horrible test taker I was terrible I would like when I knew those tests were coming up I got the most anxiety I couldn't do it I couldn't focus I couldn't do any of those things and I felt like I was like given a pretty good path to have a great education so it's like you have to step back and start seeing people as people and kids as kids and not as numbers and I don't know how you get to the point of making that happen like how do you get to the point of like look at Maslow's hierarchy of needs and like let's first as a school get together and fill their bellies and make sure they're not worrying about their lights getting shut off at night and then we'll look at the testing scores and how they're doing like that's my biggest thing with it is that and you know I know it's crazy thinking and it's just my way of thinking because I'm not a teacher but like I've also worked in like early childhood education and I understand that if those needs aren't met those kids aren't going to do well like you're just not going to. I mean, I went to a really, really, I, I graduated with 20 kids in my high school class. 20 kids graduated from my senior class. And I can tell you the four of them that grew up in low-income homes and basically didn't have parents at home to support them and went through their entire school career basically like, well, you don't get, you just, you're just never going to get it. And nobody investing in them. And as adults, I'm pretty sure two of them are sitting in prison. Mm. So like, and that's from a small white 20 person graduation class. Like, that's crazy to me. Like, why are we not looking at where children are and where they're coming from? Because in reality, yes, education is important. I push education 100%. But it's not going to do anything if, if kids aren't having their needs met, if families aren't having their needs met. So is it a black and white thing? Or, I mean, is it a black thing? Because I know Takara... Um piggyback off what I want to say and maybe I'm wrong but do you feel like that education topic they had a couple of weeks ago was basically geared towards the black community and if it is is it basically a black and white issue a social economical issue I think the questions that we posed to them were the questions that we gave them were more about 
um, cultural, racial things. And so that uh, that episode definitely was more geared toward primarily black kids. And then Terry brought in, I think his name's Terry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. Brought in, okay, <laughs> brought in the Hispanic kids. Um, so I do think that. I also think that it depends on what... No, you're good. I'm just messing my volume. Okay. My volume's hot. Okay. <laughs> I think it depends on what type of... So, like, Amelia's talking, and I'm listening to her, and so every... So while the school that I went to was wealthier, and the school district, um, it wasn't as well. The school district wasn't as wealthy, and so every test, every standardized test that we had, everybody was taken and fed a breakfast and a lunch on standardized test days. Um, and so, and it's really interesting. I didn't, I, it hasn't been until I've gotten older that I realized that the district that I grew up in um, knew it had some faults. It knew that they had lower income kids. They had middle income uh, kids. And then they had these, these higher class kids. But they treated everyone pretty much the same. Didn't matter. Everyone was going to the church to eat breakfast. And then we all would walk back over to the school um, I don't think that what we're talking about is actually a racial, uh, cultural thing. I think what we're talking about is that America has done a piss poor job in figuring out the best way to educate our children and then trying to fit everyone through the, the neck, uh, or trying to get every, all the cattle into like this one door open of the fence. Man, I hear I liked you for you a reason. You have to fit into here if this is where you want to Oh, I said, man, I knew I liked you for a reason. Yeah, she talked to you. <laughs> she... I can't hear you. I said, man, I knew I liked you for a reason. <laughs> she said she glad that she knew that she liked you for a reason. Oh, okay. <laughs> Your volume is really low. Yeah, can you hear? Can you hear me now? There's something wrong. Can you hear us? You hear them? <laughs> can you hear? We are having technical difficulties. Can you hear us? <laughs> Say something. Can you hear me? Can you hear us? I think we're gonna go to break. <laughs> Can you hear me? Can you hear me? And we're back on the band right now show. Takara Barrio messed up, so we had to. <laughs> <laughs> So it's my fault. Always. Yeah, but go ahead though. Um, let's go ahead and finish up this education talk. Where are you going, Melia? Were you going to talk about it? You going to re- um, reply back to what Miss Williams said? No, I just. Um, I mean, I said that I liked her for a reason. She's absolutely right in my opinion. <laughs> um, I think. I I know I see that there's like a lot of teachers out there that are trying really, really hard to meet the basic needs of youth. So I've seen like things on the news where there's teachers who are like, let's just put a washer and dryer in. So if kids need to do their laundry, they can do their laundry. Let's have a pantry. So if they need shampoo or they need deodorant or toothpaste or whatever, let's do those things. And I think, you know, 
I mean, people graciously donate their money. Let's let's donate it in the right ways. Like, let's not just donate it to donate it. Let's donate it because of we know what the need is. And I think, um, you know, I, I again, I work with a lot of youth who, you know, they're going to sc- high school or they're going to college and it bombs on them because they have like a trauma or they have something that happens and there's nothing there for them. And it's like, you, we have to, we have to meet each youth where they are. And I know when you have hundreds or thousands of kids going to one school, it's really hard to do that. But I think that's where like some of the money needs to go and having a team of people that, I mean, I know schools have counselors and they have all those things. It's just, I think we're missing, missing the bigger picture of the whole thing. So. Well, that was it. Are we, um, <laughs> Anybody want to um, have a little rebuttal to that? Greg? It's a good note. Okay, well, that's a good note. Miss Williams, that was it, Amelia. All right, well, let's go. Either, either that or they just think I'm crazy and we don't have enough time to well, do it. No, 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 no. Well, no. Y'all, spent 45, y'all spent 45 minutes on that um, on a damn education topic, though, and there's so much more we want to talk about, you know. Like, another topic I keep hearing, and um, I had this one guy that always texts me every single day. Day or Greg? No. Oh. <laughs> and he's like, "F the police, defund the police. We don't need cops. We don't need police officers. Who's without police officers? Who's going to control the the communities, the neighborhoods? I mean, am I wrong? I mean, do we need police officers, Greg? Absolutely. Okay, go ahead. Yeah, go ahead. Oh, sorry. Yeah, no, go ahead, Greg. No, 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 go no, ahead, no, Greg. no, 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 Please, showtime. Go say what you got to say. We absolutely need police officers. Let's be real. If we didn't need police officers, they wouldn't exist. If we could, if we could manage and um, allocate, y'all If we, am I good? Yeah, yeah, you're good. Okay. <laughs> if if we could allocate ourselves, or if we could appropriate our own actions and not steal, rape, all these different things, not speed, not cause accidents. We would have done it by now, but we don't. We are humans. We are people who like to do what we want to do when we want to do it. And some of us, unfortunately, have um, negative habits. And so, yes, do if someone tries to come pick my door in right now, do I want to be able to call the police and expect for them to show up? Absolutely. Um, I, I live in Dallas, so our city council here just started to monitor police overtime and causes a big, huge thing, uh, issue, because we're not defunding police, but they are definitely clamping down on the police. Um, that's an issue. Uh, Dallas, when I first came to Dallas, I came here for a criminal justice job. I came to be a probation officer. And in 2007, and in 2007 was like the first year that their murders had gone down. But now we're in 2020, and we're back at 2007 levels, Yes, do we have more police? Do we have more police? Sort of, and I'll mention that we sort of have them, but they have more uh, guidelines around them. Which, in some ways, I think guidelines are good, right? They protect them, they protect us. However, morale is a real thing in any career, mm-hmm. and so if you say if you have people, groups of people, especially groups of people where our neighborhoods are, they are policed more. But where there is more crime by chance, and you have those people saying F the police, 
at some point, police officers' morale is going to affect the way that they do their job. Mm-hmm. And so, now, do I believe in, I don't believe in abolishing police, but I do believe in, let's take this police budget that we're approving increases for every year, and let's look at homeless agencies, let's look at teen agencies, let's look at food banks, let's look at mental health agencies, and start to say, do we really need this many police officers in this area, or do we need to make sure that we have nonprofit organizations, NGOs, we have community members, do we need to make sure that we have a certain amount of police officers who live in these areas? Absolutely. I'm from a city or from a town where Back in the day, we have this one area of town that was struggling. It was known as a drug area. It was known as the gang area. What they did was they then put three police officers. They moved them. They built homes, and they moved the officers into those communities with their families. And those projects got torn down. Like, the drugs were no longer an issue because people knew that it wasn't just a politician standing up and saying, I'm going to do these things for your community, but it's like, I am now part of your community. And so even when a politician maybe wouldn't have listened to the community members, there was now this law enforcement officer that could back up those community members and say, no, absolutely, these are the issues, and these are the promises you made and you didn't follow through on them. And so that changed that whole neighborhood. Um, You go into that neighborhood now and it's like a whole subdivision and you're like, yo, this was like the hood hood mm-hmm. for, you know, for a small town. <laughs> I mean, I, I agree with you 100%. I mean, you, know, Frank, you gonna say something? I think Amelia's is talking, talking, but I can't hear her. <laughs> we can't hear her. Can you hear me now? Can you hear me now? I, I, uh, I, I would agree with you 100%. And I think, yeah, defunding the police, getting rid of the police is not an option whatsoever. But I think really looking at, I mean, again, it's that social work piece and putting in services and um, outreach. I mean, outreach is huge. And so what does that look like? I also, my, my one thing that I really want to say about this is, and again, it's kind of like, you know, it's kind of like school standardized testing. I don't know how you do it. I don't know what it looks like. But I really think that there needs to be more screening for police officers. I think um, I I 100% in my heart believe that, you know, 95% of officers are good officers and they do their job because they truly believe in what they do and keeping people safe and all of that. But unfortunately, we have a percentage of officers who I don't know if it's a power trip for them. I don't know what, what it is. But unfortunately, there's there's definitely a group of officers that should not be officers. Um. And I I don't know if their career started off as thinking that they were doing the right thing and that's truly where they wanted to be. But, you know, I think sometimes we talk about those unconscious, unconscious bias. And sometimes I don't think people are aware of where they are and how they truly feel. And I think that's where we're ending up with what we've got going on these days is that I think we just have a group of people that it's just not a good fit for them. And unfortunately, people are losing their lives from it. And um, we got to figure out a way to keep those pe- people out of those positions in order to keep people safe. To answer the question, um, you can't completely get rid of the police because then you're talking about 
citizens taking matters into their own hand, which typically kind of already happens. I mean, there's, I mean, one big piece of legislation now is the stand your ground law that gives citizens pretty much almost immunity, kind of like a police officer, um, which now we got to ask ourselves, if we're putting citizens on the same pedestal as police officers, does that cause a problem? Because obviously Ahmaud Arbery, he was gunned down by citizens acting like police, which that's just one case, obviously. But, I mean, George Zimmerman was the, another one. So, I mean, defund the police, I would say to some degree, yes, because you can't have a police force every year voting to increase their budget and increasing the amount of money that they're getting, but yet the school system is failing and not getting too much of nothing. You know, or you're looking at the mental health side of things where they're getting rid of mental health facilities that, that may be a better suit for some of these people instead of putting them in jail. So, I mean, get rid of police entirely? No, but another thing that Amelia pointed on that I think is very important is to make sure that you have a way to weed out the bad apples instead of protecting them. And I think it takes a good person to be able to say this isn't right. This isn't how things should be. Because, I mean, frankly, you can attest to this. There's people we work with at our prior job where we work together and blatantly racist. Yeah. Disre disregards for the black people that come in there, Hispanic people, the Middle Eastern, didn't give two shits. But, yet yeah, somehow they managed to continue to keep their job. But to make it even worse, end up going over to work for LPD or LSO. And it was like, how the hell? I Wait a minute. Wow. You know, who gave you a reference? Who gave you a good reference? You know, but I mean, that goes back into not wanting to point the blame and saying that there's something wrong with our organization because I mean, there's complete, let's be honest, there's organizations that are actually really bad, and yet the people who work for them still won't say it's bad because they rather save face by continuing to lie or to, to hide the issue than they say, damn. We dropped the ball, you know, and one good example like that, and a lot of people forgot about it, kind of stopped talking about it, but I always refer back to the Laquan McDonald because when you actually look at the transcripts, look at the documents, and look at what actually happened, the Chicago police force, from the bottom all the way to the top, try to, uh, like, try to completely get rid of all wrongdoings instead of looking at themselves and saying, we were wrong. That officer was wrong. That's not right. That's not what we stand for. That's not what we're about. But instead, they falsified documents. They deleted video footage. They intimidated witnesses. They forced witnesses to say stuff that wasn't even true. They made 12 other officers change their story and account. So my thing is, until we hold them to the same standard that we want to hold everybody else to, in terms of getting rid of them, you can't. But in terms of accountability, I mean, that's what you teach your kids from day one, accountability. Taking ownership of what you do wrong. I mean, when your kid do something wrong, and whether it's mom or dad, you go to them and say, hey, such and such, did you eat the cookies? No. What is the cookie crumbs? I mean, it's a, it's a song about it. That Johnny Johnny song is like, they made a song about telling the truth. Like, but we got police officers who, even if it's 1%, and this is the sad part about it, 
and, and watch this comparison. People talk, oh, everybody's so worried about COVID. It's not that big deal. Oh, my God, our blood's out of proportion. This is ridiculous. It's only 1%. But 1% is 200 plus thousand people who lost their lives, which that's 1% too many. If it could have been avoided and could have been handled in a better situation, it's no different than what police officer. Only 0.05% of African Americans are killed by cops each year. It's still, if it could be prevented, could have been 0%. You know, and a lot of people are always trying to point the numbers as being, 1% is not a lot, but 1% of anything bad is a lot. Save someone's life, exactly. Exactly, you know, and that's why I'm saying, like, people talk about what's been going on with this pandemic, and they say it was only 1%, it's only this, that, and the third, but if it could have been avoided because of precautions you took before that, then that simply means we neglecting our duties to help prevent stuff, like police officers. If you could have had better training, if you could have had more community policing and people understanding what goes on in neighborhood. If you could have had a second to listen. I mean, I don't know if y'all heard, there's another story out there where the mom called the police to help her autistic child out of Utah who was having a a meltdown and she even relayed to them um, uh, a couple things that I think, one, I think she might have shouldn't have, but she was just doing her due diligence. But she even warned them, like, I think he has a pellet gun or something. I'm not sure, but just he's just having an episode but seeing law enforcement is a trigger for him so they went there and i don't think they killed him but they shot him up Damn. <laughs> yeah they shot him up i mean and that's my thing if i call the police as a black man do I feel comfortable knowing that I'm going to get the same benefit of the doubt as my white counterpart? And my question, my answer is hell no. I don't call the police. Like, I, I used to do it to try to protect myself. But after the nonsense that existed with all that, it was like, I better off just not call them. Because they're not going to flip my story and make me a criminal. They're not about to flip the script on me and say, oh, your story sounds as if you were this, that, and the third. Or you took nope. Y'all have a good have a good day, sir. Mm-hmm. I don't need y'all there. How are you? Why are you bleeding? I don't know. I did it myself. Have a good one. Get out my business. I mean, well, that's what made the stallion did. If you look, if you look at it, yeah. And see, and that's my thing. And that's why I even told Frank about that situation that you brought up. I said it's it's one of those things where, regardless if you're the victim or not. The, the police can make you look like the worst, the shittiest person on the earth. And my thing is, if they're being taught skills and techniques to make people seem guilty, then they ain't nothing more but judge, jury, executioner. Because at the end of the day, whatever they say holds more weight than what I say. You know, it's like if I said the teacher hit me, no other teacher's going to believe it because it's a teacher. Until you get a video recorder and start showing, look, that teacher did punch him first because, I mean, even when I was in school, I had a teacher lie and say I hit a kid. And luckily, the nurse and the police officer was there and witnessed it and was like, he didn't hit that young man. Y'all can't suspend him for that. Or he's going to take us down to the uh, Akron's, uh Board of Education. Because they alleged, oh, I hit a kid. But I'm like, I wasn't even near the kid. But luckily, two other credible people could see that, okay, 
she just she she picking on him. She she's targeting him. She's she's trying to create an issue that's not there. So my thing is with police, they're being taught to make an issue that's not even there instead of being a decent human. And I'm not saying it's all of them, but one percent is one too many. Well, and so, I think, Greg, like going back to the kid who has autism, I think that kind of goes back to where, where are we putting the money into the police force? Like, what does that look like? Because, I mean, weapons, every, be, what? weapons tactical gear. Well, and that's the thing. Food, it's like you, you have this young man who has autism. It is just because he has a pellet gun doesn't mean he's a threat. Like you need somebody that's. If you, if we're training, and I don't know, I've never been a police officer. I've never worked in law enforcement. I get that. But if we're training people, like when you go out there and they have a gun and it's you or them, and this poor kid just has autism, like police, my biggest thing is that police are also there to help keep people people safe when they can't keep themselves safe. Mm -hmm. So what does that look like? Like, what does the training look like? What is, what are we doing to make sure that they're not just going out there and shooting people up because it's a him or it's him or me. You know, you have tons of people who have mental health issues in our world today and tons of people who have different diagnosis and even people who, you know what, if they're strung out and they're coming down or whatever the case may be, like who are the people that are qualified and trained to go out there with the police to try to keep that person safe and the police safe, but they have more education on how to handle those situations. Like I used to work with people that had intellectual and physical disabilities. And I had one gentleman that I supported who was, a, I mean, he was probably as big as Frank and I, it was me and one other girl that worked in his home. And when he got mad, he got mad and there was nothing I could do, but call the police, but they weren't, it's not follow their own, but I'd call for an EPC and they would just be like, well, well, what do you want us to do? And I'm like, he can't keep himself or me safe right now. So I need your support. They had no idea what to do with him. Like, let's just stay here until he calms down and then we're going to leave him here. No, that's not a choice because there's three other gentlemen that live in his home. So I think uh-huh. like, you know, it's just a matter of and, and you know what? When he wasn't mad, he was the sweetest thing in the world. But unfortunately, his mental health issues kept him from being the sweetest guy in the world sometimes. And so I think we need to think about that is that who's trained and how are we training them to deal with all the different issues that people have these days? You. Yeah. You know what it takes to be a police officer in the United States of America? I have no idea. It, I told you. I'm speaking for no experience whatsoever, Greg. Watch it. Watch it. I watch it. it. It's very simple. 18 years of age, a valid driver's license, and a GED. Damn. Okay. Well, that's great. <laughs> Damn. So what are we doing to Damn. train them? That's, that's what you need. <laughs> and I mean, I, I am not downplaying the role of people who are police officers and who chooses to do that job because I have a lot of respect for them. Like I have friends who have husbands who are cops and I know what that, those families go through every day and what he goes through every day. Um, and he's a, they're very dedicated people, but at what no, point do we say enough is enough and how are we training people to do these jobs? No, no, Mary, no, you're, you're hundred percent correct. I'm not taking away from the stress. I know, I know, you're not. I know because I've worked in correctionals, Correctional facilities, which I think is the most stressful job you can have, because our, our, like, and my thing is with police officers, police officers patrol certain neighborhoods, and sometimes they don't get a call at all. They don't have to deal with the negative. You know, when you work with a correctional officer, you got to deal with some guys who are actually in there for first degree murder or yeah. first degree sexual assault, and you sitting there and they bragging about it. Yeah. Police officers don't have to deal with that level of nonsense. Like, we see there, they pressing the intercom, talking about, yeah, and I took this little girl. It makes you want to 
Talk about practicing self-control. Imagine what's going on with your kids or your yeah, kids. Or, they, or, they, or they get mad and they say, oh, I'm going to go get your daughter if you got. Mm. You got to practice a level of self-control like no other. So I'm not saying police officers' job ain't stressful. I think with this climate, it may make it a little more stressful. But just to answer your question, that's all you need is a GED, be 18 years or age of majority in your state. <laughs> So the, the the parameters are different for different places because I know here you have to be 20, 21, 20, 20 Where? 21 Where? Okay, in Dallas. <laughs> I think Greg, Greg, I think we got your point. Like it's very basic. Like Man, it's very basic. basic Talk about you got to be twenty one. It's the age of majority. <laughs> Stop playing with me. You know what? Watch this. Uh, 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 what is the certification? What's the requirement to be a a, a nurse, to be a a teacher, to be hell, even to be in the real world is much more strict. Yeah, no, <laughs> I mean, I this, I'm just saying. So you about to sit here and tell me that the people that's supposed to keep us safe could be any Joe Bull from down the street who got a vendetta to pick. Okay, well, so and that's what myself. that's what I'm saying. I think we're like the people, the cops that are out there doing these things. Yeah, it's definitely they have a thing. And like, how do you how do you screen that? How do you assess that? How do you make sure that those aren't the people that are getting in to take these jobs because it's a power trip for them? Rather than I truly want to make sure that people are safe and that I'm doing everything to make sure that our communities are good. Go ahead, Carl. So for Dallas PD, because I pulled it up. Uh huh. So. Um, a citizen of the United States, U.S. high school graduate, or GED, um, if you're between 19 and a half years of age and 44, um, you must have, no, 19 and a half, sorry, 19 and a half and 20, you have to have 20 uh, credit hours of more than G, uh, 2.0 GPA, same thing for 21 to 44. You have that to just happened. Have okay. had to be put that in, I promise you. It, 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 it was all, from, from my understanding, based off of what my cousin who just retired from, from Akron Police Department, he said across the nation he sees it as a problem because you got an 18 or 19-year-old kid who graduates, say, in a year from the academy, now 20 years old, patrolling the street. You can't even drink alcohol, but you try to keep somebody safe. Well, and I think we also have to think about the fact that, like, let's talk about people, like, officers that are going into this career and have experienced no diversity, have never experienced. I mean, I think about, you know, like, let's say you grew up in an all white neighborhood in a very wealthy family and you didn't have any black friends or Hispanic friends or Asian friends or whatever. And then you move to Dallas and then you're you are patrolling the streets of Dallas and you run into all these different ethnic groups and cultures and everything else. How are you ever supposed to work with people like that if you've never had that experience? And, and the thing is, they don't require that. that I know they don't, but how do you teach that? How do you train that so that when people who've never had those experiences go into situations, they're not like, oh, it's a black guy with a gun. Let's shoot him. See, and, and, that's, and that's the question. That's why when you talk, when people talk about uh, allocating the North uh, or defunding the police and putting the resources towards diversity training or putting resources towards the schools or, or this and the third, people freak out. Are you, you anti-cop? No. <laughs> no. We just need Nobody to do it appropriately. Said, yeah, you know, I mean, I tell, when I tell people stories about what I, whether I've been through it or 
stuff that I've heard from other law enforcement officers. I mean, I had a professor, Yoakum, who was the head sheriff of Seward County. The first story he told me when I walked into his Crim 100 class was, I don't play no games. He said, I became that, I got voted to be the head sheriff of Seward County. The first day on the job, I heard three gentlemen make derogatory statements about how they're going to target the N-word and make sure that they get all the many as they can. And he said he heard that, he put him into his office, fired him. He had to go through a three-year lawsuit because of that, because those guys never said unlawful firing and all this other stuff. Long and short of it, he won the case, but he said there's no room for it. But just imagine this. The sheriff officer before him was there for, I think, eight or nine years. Those guys were still the same way. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? They didn't even do that because he became the sheriff. They've been like that. So my thing is, that was nine years' worth of people African-Americans, black people, whomever, that they were targeting intentionally without no cause at all. But they could do it because who, who said something about it? Nobody. You know? And, I mean, that's like I said before. I had a guy that now lives in uh, California, but he he came here to visit. He had a super nice Benz. He was a doctor. Had a super nice Benz. The police pulled him over. He showed him license, registration, showed him everything he needed to. Long and short, they end up trying to arrest him and tow his car, not knowing he was a successful doctor out of California. And like he said, they picked the wrong nigga. <laughs> and guess what? He made this whole story. He got the police chief, got reprimanded them and did everything about it. They ended up writing an article about it, about the percentage of blacks versus to white. And it made this whole big thing here, but it was like, it shouldn't have to take them getting the wrong black person for it to become a big deal then. You know? It should be like, okay, wrong is wrong. Let's fix this issue. And not, oops, we got a black successful doctor who, oh, darn, we done messed up. <laughs> but I don't know. I don't think abolishing police is good. I think finding better ways to use their resources. I mean... One thing people talk about is their highly tactical weaponry, uh, their, their different uh, armor that they use, police vehicles that they have stored for rainy days. Like when they had the rioting and looting going on, I mean, some of the vehicles they were driving there were four, three, four, five hundred thousand dollars mini tanks. I mean, I mean, okay, I guess that is needed, but. What you need a tank for? Like, shit, you going to war? Damn. I mean, I mean, some of those vehicles you look at, it's like bulletproof, rocket launcher proof. You're like, what the hell? I mean, it's like a cheat code off of GTA. <laughs> you know? It's just like, and like I tell people, I, I'm a strong advocate for correctional officers, but I'm not saying I'm downplaying police officers. I just, I worked in corrections a lot, and I see what we went through. And, I feel like sometimes police officers are pampered too much. I feel like they're tended to way too much, and we forget about the people that actually deal with real criminals. And what I mean by real criminals is they convicted, they're set, they already admitted what they did, and people like me and Frank then deal with people who, yep, I shot them in the head, I didn't give a damn. So what? I laughed at them and spit on them. Like, I, I, we deal with those people, you know? Police officers deal with them for a moment. And then whatever happens, happens, you know. So I'm a strong component for, for the correctional officers. And 
and their well-being, but I also feel like we need to set up something to where police officers can have a better understanding, whether it's training, whether it's, you know, money funded to a certain place, but I don't know. I feel like at the end of the day, I try to focus on my family and focus on what I need to, and I just hope I never have encounter with law enforcement where I'm put in a position where, I mean, I probably freeze for real. Like, if I got pulled over, I'm stuck to the steering wheel. I ain't reaching for nothing. I, I'm, I'm, I'm going to, I'm going to, they're going to look at me as if, oh shit, he's doing something simply because I'm terrified. Well, and I think that's what stinks now, Greg, is that like now the culture of it is so horrible and so negative that like, you know, that you have to feel that way. Or I know even like there's been like Frank and I have talked about, like if you're in the car if, with me, if I'm in the car with him and we get pulled over, this is what you need to do. And that's crazy to me because, you know, I mean, I didn't grow up like that. I grew up with, you know, the cops are there to keep you safe and you don't have anything to worry about. And if you're ever in trouble, call the cops. And now I live in a world where I have to like, it truly is like every time he leaves for to do anything, it's like my be careful is basically don't get pulled over, please. Especially if I'm not in the car with you. And that's scary. Like people shouldn't have to live like that. That's crazy. But unfortunately, yeah. that's like the culture. It, it's, it's, it was not my reality growing up. And I understand that. But as it's become my reality, it's crazy to me. Like it is absolutely insane that him and I can't drive down the road with our child in the back seat and never have to worry, like worry about getting pulled over. Cause what happens if we do like, that's crazy. And so it's just, I don't know. Like I, I get the, like, you know, like the naive piece of me growing up and all of that. But like now that I live it, it just, and unfortunately it's not getting better and people aren't making it better, you know, because it's now let's, let's just walk up and shoot cops who are trying to do their jobs. Like that's, that's crazy. You know, like what, what are we doing? Like, it's just, I don't know. I'm rambling, but it's just out of control. To Carl, you want yeah. you want to touch on this before we go to the next subject and um, end this first episode of Rambler with Greg? Because <laughs> I probably no. get it. Okay. Well, let me ask you. Okay. About, okay. I mean, I'm not it's a two question part, but um, I read a good quote on Facebook this morning, and um, Facebook. Yeah, I use Facebook. I always use Facebook <laughs> because I ain't lie. Lately, I've been slipping, but um, as I said, an uh, individual posted, which I love to. Um, comment. These people had white only signs posted up for many years. Now y'all offended by a Black Lives Matter face mask or t-shirt. The the irony, right? Exactly. Exactly. What was that? that, uh, (laughs) You about to start laughing. Uh, uh, Life, when when he was driving, and he was like, can I get one of them pies? He was like, uh, Eddie Burke, was it Eddie Burke? Uh, Martin Lawrence was like, can I get one of them pies? He was like, these are whites only pies. And he was like, well, you got some digging pies? <laughs> <laughs> it's like, but I, I know what you mean. Like, I see people like, you got Black Lives Matter, this, that, that, that's bullshit, this, that, that. I'm like, you know, for like 50 years, it was whites only, like, like, Chill out, like it ain't doing nothing to offend you. Like they had two rallies. I drove through downtown to get to my place, and they had a whole bunch of Trump rallies and so forth. And Black Lives Matters are terrorists, and y'all hate our country. Go back, this that, and that. I'm like, 
so are they directly this toward the black people only? Exactly. Or like, like, what do you mean go back to your country? Like, we don't want you here. What the? Exactly. Well, so it was just weirdness to see that even going on and so forth. I'm like, I don't like, I don't know, like. It feels like I felt like a hate, I guess. Yes. Like, and I, and, I, and I think that's what I felt being black is y'all here want to protest, not even protest. Y'all showing support for Trump and Pence, which is fine. But why should I feel as if I don't belong? Yep. Like, my thing is, you can, you can like, when, like, let's take for instance, I, I'm old enough to, I remember when George Bush was running for president. I didn't feel that. I didn't, no. I feel like they were just like, Oh, I'm here for George Bush, George yes. blah, 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 whatever. Yes. It was okay. It was like it's equivalent to how I feel is like if I'm wearing a Cuban Cavaliers jersey and they had on a Detroit Pistons jersey, it was like, oh, my team is better than yours, but okay, you for them. Exactly. Like, that's how I felt. Now it's like, oh my gosh, we hate to get your ass out. F y'all, y'all. It's like now I feel like it's like a real personal attack. Yes. It's like yes. It's like, chill out. Like, I've never seen, and I never really speak the whole politics that much. I speak it a little, but in terms of that moment, I've, like, really felt like, damn, like, this is crazy. Like, I've never felt like I was scared to walk past these people. Like, mm -hmm. <laughs> you right. but, yeah, I don't know, man. That, uh, yeah, man, they had that going on, and I was like, these people crazy like it ain't that serious man <laughs> like black people went through so much and yet y'all are so willing to go to war mm -hmm. because three letters blm is y'all way to set this place on fire because i don't get it man i i've like i don't know if you ever i don't know if you ever frank went to or drove past or walked past a Trump rally, it is ridiculous. I mean, I'm being straight up with you. It, it's like... A clan rally, huh? It's like a clan. Yeah, I'm telling you, man, I, I see videos and seeing the video, you get only a certain effect. But when you actually drive past and you got people holding up, like, hatred towards you, it's like a whole different feeling in your stomach, you know? Because, like, a part of me was like, go back to where you came from. We don't want you. This, that, that. I wanted to swerve my car, but... You know? <laughs> but yeah, it was yeah. like... a motherfucker. I'm just saying, because, like, I've never felt... I felt hatred before on a small scale. Like, maybe one person said something to me, or it was, like, a small, like, kind of... You know, but I've never seen, like, a group of people, like, 200, 300 people out there, like, you know, I just, that was my first experience like that to where, you know, Frank, uh-uh, man. I know. I, I, know. I kept up, rolled my window up, turned my music up a little more, and kept it moving. <laughs> well, Frank, how old are you? You said Frank or Greg? Greg. How old am I? Yeah. Don't be trying to flirt with me, girl. <laughs> <laughs> No, I'm twenty. I might be. I'm twenty six. I'll be twenty seven in like two weeks. Okay, so you and you remember when Bush was cool? That's why I'm I, asking. I know my mom was a huge John Kerry Edwards guy. Uh, she loved gotcha. him. So 
that's how I kind of remember. And I remember the whole Katrina and stuff. So that's the thing about it. I always liked politics, but I never really dabbled in it because, you know, I, being that young and being introduced to it was like, okay, I see. Okay, they're lying because they said it was going to happen. Oh, he didn't care about the Katrina people because this dude was out golfing and touring the world when, you know, Louisiana was gone. <laughs> so, yeah, so I still remember. I lived on Chalker Street, which is weird, but, yeah. Okay. So, for me, I that like, it, it is a sentiment, but I think that we are living in perilous times, I guess, or where everyone's, okay, so what was the term that they called Democrats? Snowflakes. You know how everyone talks about Democrats are snowflakes? I think we all are snowflakes because there's this idea that if you're with me, then you're not right, and and you don't respect me. Um, so I don't get mad at people who say they're going to vote for Trump. Do you, boo? Do you? Um, I, and for some people, I expect it. It is then when I when I talk to them and it's the rationale. So if your rationale is that black people are trying to take over this country or, you know, whites are becoming a minority, that's what happens when you have immigration. So here's the problem. But back in, y'all immigrated to this country. Like, white people immigrated. And so, and you were allowed to do that. When you came, you were the minority because the Native Americans were here. So let's, let's never forget that. Like, I always take it back to my Native American brothers and sisters because they get forgotten in this whole timeline. And so while they, you became a minority, but then you procreated and you became the majority. More and more immigrants came. So the country was founded on immigration. It was founded on diversity. The diversity just happened to be Caucasian. Um, if, if we want to go to what it was, um, people will say, well, Caucasians made the country civilized. Did they? Because if you look back in the history and what you did of Americans, it wasn't civilized. Okay, so let's move it a few centuries up. You have people who you, maybe not you, obviously, because I wasn't a slave. I wasn't born into slavery. Um, but ancestors had my ancestors enslaved. Um, they were kept from rights, from education, from good paying jobs, from good health care, all those things. So now you're talking about a group of people who have been taught, for the most part, and I'm not going to say all white people have, obviously not. Um, a lot of Caucasian people have been taught that, hey, if black people or Hispanic people or these people get into any power, they won't make us pay. That's not, but that's not the sentiment. And so I think a lot of times when people hear Black Lives Matter, it's like, well, why doesn't my life matter? Sweetheart, your, your life has mattered since 1619. When, <laughs> when we know that we were brought over here on the ships and our lives didn't matter. They literally laid us on top of each other and chained us to the bottom of a boat mm. to come across here. And only the strong survived. And then you got them, you fed them, like pigs and hogs, made them strong and put them on the land to work. Mm-hmm. No one is saying let's enslave white people. That's not what Black Lives Matters means. Um, I can understand how some people have issues with, like I have my own issues with the organization because of some of the tenants. But in overall, Black Lives Matter, Hispanic Lives Matter, like we cannot continue in this country to take the stance of, well, like. <sighs> My family is having a whole bunch of health issues right now. My mom is 
fighting cancer and my dad is on dialysis and it's taken kind of a toll. And we all have um, some type of chronic condition. Each one of each one of the kids does. And so I had someone say to me this past week was like, man, black people really don't know how to take care of themselves, huh? Oh, shit. And I said, hold on one second. So let's talk about disparities in health and why African-Americans and Hispanics have a higher incidence of certain of certain diseases. Um, of breast cancer, of these things. Part of my mom, my mom works in radiology, so she's around more, you know, radioactive waves or whatever. But let's talk about how, let's go back a couple of centuries, and let's talk about why we face more health disparities. Like, and let's talk about how this is a system that we need to fix. So when people are also talking about Black Lives Matter, they're talking about those type of things, too. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it comes from a fear of people not being sure what it means if they are no longer the majority. Mm-hmm. And it's really sad that we, we will say we're all Americans, we're all Americans until you bring race or money into it. Mm-hmm. And when you bring race or money into it, then all of a sudden it's like, well, what do you want to do for me? Like I've got a ton of white friends who are ticked off right now. That President Trump put out that platinum plan yeah. for the black Americans. Yeah, I heard about that. <laughs> we'll got to talk about that later, yeah. And so they're upset because they're like, well, why did he do that? What's the need? I said, here's a problem. I said, the question for the black community is why it take him four years after being president to put out the platinum plan. But it's him finally addressing the fact, if you look at some of these things about business loans and like all these things that he's giving, that there is a problem systemically with the way that black and brown people are treated and can have access to money in this country. And so... He may have helped some his vote with some black people, but there, now there are other black people who are side-eyeing him saying, oh, so now we have an issue. Um, I think that we don't want, change is hard. Change is hard for everyone. Like, dang, I wish I could be skinny. But man, I love cheese. So it's like one of those things, you know what I mean? But you get what I'm saying? It's me. <laughs> so, <laughs> it's like... Change is hard. And so when you talk to a group who has had power, property, and prestige mm-hmm. in this country, and there is a movement of sorts, same thing that happened in the civil rights movement. Mm-hmm. There's a movement of sorts, and they're like, where is my place? Yep. But what I need for those people to understand is we've been asking that since we were born, mm-hmm. is where's our place? Like, yes, we are Americans. Like, people are like, you don't respect veterans. You cannot tell black folks they don't respect veterans. We went and fought in wars and came back to a country where we had no rights. Exactly. And we did it willingly. No one forced us to do it because we wanted to believe in this country and we do believe in this country. So maybe take a different approach and a different stance so that we truly can be unified and be one. Will there always be some division? And I think that's what we have to admit. There will always be some division. We see it in our own culture. White people see it in their cultures. We see it across the board. Sometimes it has to do with money. Sometimes it has to do with religion. Sometimes, you know, it it has to do about people's judgments. But if we really want to be Americans, we've got to figure out how to make that table big enough for everyone to sit at and have the same access to what's on that table for everyone. So it's not just about me getting a seat to the table. Go ahead. Sorry. 
it's about my access to what's on the table. And I understand that because of my education, because of who my parents are, because of where I live, my access has been different than other black people's access. And I didn't understand that in my in my college years. Like I thought those black people were just lazy. They didn't want it. That was my that was the way I viewed it. Now I understand that my parents put me in a position to where I had greater access than some other people did. And it isn't fair. But how do we make equality happen? Equity happen. Mm. Yeah. Damn. You know what? <laughs> You brought some insight there. We want to do a you going uh you gave me an idea with everything you just said to Carl, we're gonna to have to do a, a pre election show with you because the, that was some good insight you brought there. Everybody's gonna hate me because I'm 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 voting for Biden. Yeah. Trust and believe that. Yeah. But he got he, he got some issues too. Oh Greg <laughs> they all got issues. Greg voting for Trump, him and Stalin's. You a, hey, you a motherfucking liar. <laughs> Shit, turn this bitch off. I can find your ass. Amelia, you want to touch on the subject before we um, segue? We're good. Alright, check this out. And I'm going to leave with this. And Lyndon B. Johnson wrote this or quoted this back in the 60s. Damn it. And he said, if you can convince the lowest white man that he's better than the best color man, he won't notice you're picking his pocket. Hell, give him somebody to look down on and he'll even empty his pockets for you. Why you gotta get all this, all this, this trying to throw daggers and shit? Damn, Frank. <laughs> no. I mean, what do you think about this? Was back in the 1960 where he took over for. JFK, so this was 62, 60, yeah, this was said by him in 1962. It's kind of interesting, though, the world we're living in right now. You know, it kind of mirror image of what we're, what we're dealing with right now. Amelia, before we go, you want to tell what happened at Chipotle yesterday? No. Well, when you said we was in there in line, when you were in line and some dude was talking about all loud and brash, like, for my president or something what was it yeah his president is going to win the election and basically take over the world and yeah the dude was just talking loud to i mean explain it i don't know i don't remember we were just i was waiting to get my food and he had his trump hat on and you do you but he was just he wasn't being very nice and he was talking to another person in line yeah yeah just like bluntly like nobody not asked him for his opinion but for some reason he felt the need to I feel I feel like though I feel like that comes from a threat like it's a like people are feeling threatened by what could happen in the world and I know that you and I have talked about that oh, where yeah. I think there's just and I, I it's just a guess but there's a lot of white people who are fearful of what happens if they don't have the power of being white anymore and so what that looks like because I mean that's what people have wrote off of for a long time is I'm white and I can do whatever I want and I've got this and we're kind of seeing the t- tables turn a little bit of you know, black and whites coming together and um, what that looks like. I don't know that I necessarily agree with everything that everyone's doing, but I definitely think that like, there's just a lot of people in this country that feel threatened and that's why they're doing what they're doing right now. Oh yeah. Especially here in Arizona, because yeah. living in Tucson, Tucson is a liberal city, uh-huh. but everything else it's is not. different. Which is are a li- battleground state this year. 
Yeah, yeah. I'll yeah. battleground state. And, and you can. Yo, I had a bet going on. I, I put a button. I put wagers down. You can feel Biden it. Biden going to win Arizona. Yeah, He's you, gonna win Arizona. Well. you yeah. can feel it here. You, you can, can feel. feel it. And I think you know the gentleman that was in in Chipotle threat. yesterday. I think they're feeling threatened, and yeah. they're not. It's it's interesting the dynamics in Tucson because yeah. where we live, you don't see a lot of people like that. So when you do run across them, they're just kind of loud and stand out. Oh yeah, talk about my AARP yep. members, my uh, my old folks. I get along with all the old folks. Yeah, here. Par- Frank has joined the AARP club since we've moved to Tucson. He's all the old people <laughs> that he's friends with. But there's this white couple, older white couple <laughs> that live right down the way from us, and um. He he um you know and that's why I shouldn't judge a book by its cover but you know I think all oh, old oh, rich white man um Republican whatever 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 he started talking to me yeah you gonna vote that some bitch out of office this year aren't you I'm like huh <laughs> I'm like what mm-hmm. and and the lady's a psychologist and she just like throwing daggers I mean I'm not going to say it online but she's just throwing daggers and these are sixty five seven year old people you know white wealthy individuals and but. You see more and more of it, and it has to do with the fact of how he is, not even that he's Republican, it's a, a fact of how he is running his own power. Yes. Yeah. Like, you have, like, what the hypocrisy for him, for me this week, is he went against his FBI director and his coronavirus person. Yep. These are people that you put into office that you said were experts for you, like, they, they, you, they didn't come from Obama, they came from you. Drain the like, swamp. Third time's a charm, according to you. <laughs> Remember, he said he's going to drain the swamp, though, right? And now you're telling these people, oh, no, 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 he didn't mean that. He doesn't know what he's talking about. He's confused. Sir, then what, what is your administration? And trust me, I am nervous as all heck that Biden's going to get in there and lose his mind. Trust me. <laughs> I am nervous. And all I can think is, thank goodness we got Kamala. But the problem with Kamala is that, and I've had to have this conversation with a lot of African-American men, because they have a problem with Kamala because of her record yes. as a prosecutor yes. Yes. and as the attorney, is that she did her job. Yeah. She did her job really well, and then when she was able to make changes, she made those changes. Watch this. She had that power. Watch. Kamala fine though. Ain't that right, Greg? <laughs> hey. Hey. Don't don't be putting me in that. Hey, she hey. Hey, she fine, but she ain't she ain't Michelle Obama though. She Michelle Obama, man, damn. <laughs> I don't care nobody say that sister right there. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> but nah, man. People, this political thing, though, man. I just like I said, that first time going past uh, that Trump, whatever, yeah. he kind of felt it. And I'm like I said before, you know, I don't think that's how a, a person should supposed to feel. You know, exactly. you can believe whatever you want, agree with whoever you want to agree with, but you know, at the end of the day, the stuff you see online, the stuff that you see these people, the rhetoric that he said, like, like just before we get off, when he said. It was in Indiana or Wisconsin where he said, well, oh, you people here have fine genes or pure genes or something to that extent. Oh, that's talking like, white supremacy right there. That's my point. I was like, what the? I'm like, what the hell? Y'all, you guys here all have the perfect, of all white people. I'm just like, what <laughs> yeah, ex- the hell? Exactly. Like, you, but my thing is, you have a guy that can do that and do it without cause because anybody that goes against them, after they're fired, 
Most of them willingly leave, though. Most of the people in his cabinet willingly leave mm -hmm. or resign from that spot, and then they turn on and say, that dude is freaking crazy. <laughs> Yo. And you know what people, and, you know, and the sad part is, it ain't one, it ain't two, it's almost all of them. Exactly. Right. Whether it's the House Committee intelligent people, whether it's the FBI people, CIA people, um, his representatives, all of them say this dude is nuts. And then nobody says nothing. And then the moment you got a couple Republicans step outside the norm, oh, y'all yeah. traitors. Oh, yeah. Wait a minute, he a traitor because he's speaking the truth about this nonsense? Like, <laughs> so my thing is, like I said, like everybody's been advocating, uh, we'll do the same here. Go out and vote. Register to go. vote. Figure out what you think or what your requirements is and the deadlines in your state. Go vote. Because at the end of the day, it may not affect you, but there's a lot of other people on the ballot that can help you, whether it's U.S. senators, whether it's House of Representatives, you got mayor, like, you got all that stuff on the ballot. Go out there and vote. Make our voice heard because at the end of the day, he can pull out that platinum plan thinking he's slick, but... Well, we're, 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 uh, 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 Frank, we already talked about what Trump was going to do. He got to find a way to appeal to the black people. Yep. Yep. That's all it is. Like, you go, he gonna find every way. Like, like that. Uh, he had his black advisory guy speak a couple weeks ago. Look like Rick Ross. Okay, where this dude come at? Where, 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 he, where actually, he come from? He actually been there. He's on ECU. I, I know. Yeah, I know. He's on ECU. I know. I see. Yeah. I did. Yeah. So the mother again. Thing is, we ain't hear from this brother for four years. <laughs> <laughs> four years. He might have been there, but he was the one in the closet peeking out. Like, come on now. No. Oh, shit, they still here. Hey, get back in there. Because my thing is, nobody knew outside of maybe him, uh, Trump and his team. We didn't know nothing about that guy. But then after Clear Blue, he popped up and everybody did the same thing. Google. Who is <laughs> he? Ain't lying. Who is it? Oh, he been there. Oh, okay. okay. Oh, yeah, that's him. Yep. So... At the end of the day, like I said, go out and vote. Yeah. You know, our voice can't be heard. The first presidential debate is what this Tuesday. 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 Can't wait. Hey, it may be a fight. If they, <laughs> hey, hey, he ain't gonna, hey, Trump ain't gonna follow Biden around like he did Hillary Clinton. Exactly. Biden crazy. He got some loose screws. He go. Hey. Well, Trump wants hey, Biden hey, drug hey, tested hey. before. Oh, yeah, what was yeah. that about Trump to be drug tested? Yep, he went, serious? Yes, Trump once yeah. Biden drug tested before the debate. Are you serious? Yeah, yes. he said he won Joe Biden to get drug tested before the debate as if it's some kind of athletic competition. nigga, <laughs> <laughs> what? 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 You want the man drug tested? He has a you can't come here unless you've been drug tested. You gotta be kidding me. The dude say some crazy stuff, man. It's comical. Okay. On the real, so Texas and Arizona, if you have not registered to vote, your deadline yes. is October 5th. There you go. So, Frank State, my state, if you're in Greg's state of Nebraska, that's where you are, right, Greg? Yep. Uh, October 16th online, and in person October 23rd. Greg probably haven't voted yet. Great part now you yeah. register yet on me. I'm registered for a hey, I'm gonna say something to get me caught up in the federal exactly. whatever. So I'm, I'm, okay. Shut up, Frank. Over here trying to dry snitch on somebody. <laughs> Not even for that Google me to go check my registers and shit. Anyway, hey, 
Yeah. It was good shit. Listen to bake this Tuesday. Yes. It'll be interesting. I can't man. wait. I can't wait. You know what? Let's watch it and let's talk about this next <laughs> week, man. That's the rest of your hey, week. We should live stream it, bro. We ought to just oh, get on and watch it all together to talk about the different nonsense. That you want to try? Wait, Tuesday, 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 Tuesday. I'm off. Yeah, I get off at, uh, what time off at 3. You off at 3? Let's I'm check. Only at 3 p.m. All right, let's check base, Ben. What about you, Takara? Because she, yeah, what about you? She traveling. You know her. She traveling woman. So I'm home this week. Okay. So Tuesday think- night, y'all want to do what time is it? What time did the base start? 8 o'clock? 7? Probably 8. What time so probably 6 o'clock. Hold on one second. Okay, well, shit, then let's, yeah, let's live stream it, and then we're going to put the um, Zoom out and let people come in and hop in, because I think people will probably... Come yeah, make sure Brian on there with his chump ass. <laughs> Shit. <laughs> hey, I'm serious though. Black conservative, hey, Alonzo Budding or whatever his name is, a black comedian, Google it. He talked about black conservative. He said, you ought to be an idiot or a fool if you're a black conservative because ain't shit ever been good for blacks in America. Right. He said, what, you were on the campfire talking about how many lashes you got? <laughs> He said, he said, what the hell? He said, what? You can talk about the good old days when you ate like a pig. Like, he started saying some stuff that when you think I, about I it. I was you, Greg. I was, a, I was a black conservative. Yes, she was. And I still lean pretty conservatively. Hey, it was a comedian. It wasn't, I'm a messenger. It was a Lonzo, it was a Lonzo budding. And he's just the messenger, too. Greg, I love you, man. You got you got I love my boy Greg, man. My little brother, he don't give a damn. But, you know, Greg said it best, man. He said, hey, go and vote, right? Let's go and vote. Get out there. Everybody that say, hey, my vote don't count. You know what? It might. It should count this year. So get out there, vote. Doesn't matter who you vote for. And we're going to live stream this on Tuesday. Tuesday, um, check the Facebook page, my page. Um, I'm going to tag everybody in it. Check Takara page. Check Greg page. Check Amelia page. And once again, check Frank page or the Ben Frank Now show page. Anybody else want to say something before we end this topic? We've been on for an hour and 41 minutes. Nope. Stay safe. Stay safe, Amelia. All right, Miss Williams. Got anything to say? Nope. All right, you be safe heading back. And, um, once again, we appreciate you guys coming in and listening today on the Being Frank Now show. It's Sunday. Be safe. And we out. We offline.